Welcome to the D-Shift Podcast, where we provide inspiration, motivation, and education to help you transition from the challenges of divorce to discover the freedom and ability to live life on your own terms. Are you ready? Let's get this shift started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the D-Shift. And today, I am going to introduce an international expert on uh, co-parenting conflict resolution. I'd like to introduce you to Jenny Rock. She is a co-parenting without conflict expert, which I really like the whole concept of that. And she really works with folk, with parents going through divorces to leave toxic relationships and to learn how to redefine their communication patterns to put their focus on the needs of their children. So Jenny, welcome and thank you for being on the podcast. Oh, it's lovely to be here, Marty. Thank you so much for having me. Well, and you are an expert. So let's, how did you get into this? Because I, I, I know you and I have spoke a couple of times before, and you have a very interesting story. So can you tell us a little bit about, first of all, how you got here and why this is something that you feel is so important to focus yeah, on? Abs- absolutely. Um, I got here because um, I went through a really, really awful divorce Um it wasn't much better as a marriage, um, but the divorce, I thought, you kind of go into it thinking, oh, it's going to get better, it's going to end, you know, all this horrible stuff's going to end and it's going to get better, but it didn't because then the gloves were off and I didn't know who to turn to. I, I had nobody to talk to because I'd been isolated, um, you know, there was a big wedge between me and my family. Um, I didn't have any friends. They'd all been driven away. And I was very much alone. And I really needed somebody like me back then. So when the opportunity came up for me to start thinking about, well, what am I going to do, you know, through various things that had happened, I decided that I would become the person that I had needed, which was really my driver because we don't realize the impact that, that situation has on any of us, um, not just ourselves, but also the children. Um, and I didn't realize the impact that it had on my son because we were three when we separated. And I didn't think he remembered any of it. Sure. Because I that was kind of the driver at that point. You know, that was my last straw was, you know, being assaulted in front of my son. And i I thought I can't let him grow up thinking that this is okay to treat women like this. And that was very much my, you know, sort of my driver for separation and divorce and, and living an independent life. But I was still manipulated and, and, um, bullied and, and, uh, you know, sort of abused continually really up until my son decided that he didn't want to have any more contact with his dad, um, because he didn't like the person that he needed to be to fit in with his dad. Sure. So he, he made his choice. That was always his choice to make. And I was very clear on that. Um, but yeah, it's been a really interesting journey and it was a journey that I came to be doing this purely, um, I don't know, fate must have had a hand um, because <laughs> I had a 20-year career in banking that I walked away from because I couldn't cope as a combination of the PTSD that I'd suffered from the abuse and also uh, yeah, an abusive manager. Um, I then went into a 
well, I, I had a bit of a, you know, sort of feeling sorry for myself for a couple of months. And then I went to an employment agency and said, find me a job. I need a job. We need to keep a roof over our heads and kind of attitude. I'll do anything. <laughs> so I ended up working for a recycling company. And by the time I'd left there eight years later, I'd gone from being the, uh, the office assistant to the head of procurement for the whole company wow. for the, for the nation. So I was buying a quarter of the UK's glass recycling wow um, yeah I know I knew nothing about glass recycling when I started but I'm, I'm very I'm you know sort of fairly up on it now but yeah, uh, I, I imagine yeah. so yeah. <laughs> it, it is funny how you know when I look back at my on my life I would have never thought you know when I was in my even in my 20s I would have never thought oh I'm going to be a divorce coach you know, when I get to the to the later part of my life, like it would just it wasn't even in the there what first of all, there wasn't something like what we do um no. you know several years ago so so I am really I think that one of the things that you talk about that's really important there's always this push for people, and I, well, I should say in the United States, I'm assuming in the u k too, and I probably shouldn't do that, but that you know, somehow even parents that have had incredibly toxic relationships where there has been, and unfortunately, women like you quite often are experiences, and sometimes men, but, you know, the emotional, physical, financial, you name it, every kind of abuse you can imagine is going on in that relationship. The gaslighting, yeah. the manipulation, all of that. And then you go through this divorce, and then somehow magically you're supposed to be able to co-parent together. So can you talk a little bit about that whole myth that everybody should be able to co-parent and do birthdays together and Christmases they, yeah. together and all this? They stuff? can't. They can't. It's the minority that are able to do that. Um, you know, in a lot of situations, the best that can happen is parallel parenting, which is basically my house, my rules, your house, your rules. And, um, we avoid any kind of uh, interaction as much as possible. Um, which is not the healthiest for the child because this child is seeing this dynamic and thinking that when they grow up, if they get divorced, this is how they should behave. Right. Um, but unfortunately, sometimes you have to do um, self-preservation. You have to do what's right for you and for your child. And if that means that you have to um, make alternative arrangements for uh, handovers, such as I'll hand them over in front of the police station so that you can't kick off and and start any trouble or i'll hand them over in a supermarket car park that is full of cctv so that there's witnesses you know if anything goes down and that's a horrible scenario to be in right um right. and one of the things that's been coming up a lot lately with me has been i've been getting this sort of like a, a barrage of men coming to me and they're being accused of all sorts of things and None of it is proven. There's no evidence for any of it. Talking to them, it makes no sense what they're being accused of. And because somebody has basically said they did this, they're being withheld from their children. So that is a, a big issue here at the moment in the UK is that women are actually, and, and men on occasion, but mainly women are using uh, the legal system as a way to get rid of that man out of their lives right? and the lives of their children. And that's not fair. It's not right. And it's, it's devastating, men. I've had at least two men that I've worked with that have been literally 
tried to commit suicide. Um, one of them I got um, literally the day after he tried to commit suicide and failed. And the other one I got as he'd gone out to buy all of the equipment he needed to, to, do, the, to do the deed. Um, thankfully, both of them have survived. Both of them are in a much better place now. But it's awful that people, and it's not just men, women get to this point too. I, I can empathize with them because I got to that point where I was like, I can't take this anymore. I can't yeah. do this anymore. Yeah. Just if you're going to kill me, kill me now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, really- and, and that, you know, that is something that I, I think it, people struggle with that. The le- Every legal system struggles with that because there is the potential for either partner in a relationship to make an accusation against the other yeah. person. And quite often, you, you know, I was a domestic violence client advocate for almost six years abusers don't stand out on the street corner and do this where there's witnesses. So there, this is a, this is quite often a wit. There's no witnesses. There's just, there's no record. And you know, a lot of abusers are smart enough to know not to leave bruises. They're smart enough to know, um, you know, to, to cover up and then to manipulate the other person into like, well, I wouldn't have done it if you hadn't done that. And that's quite often, you know, the excuse so that the victim then yeah. starts feeling, this was all my fault. I brought this on. And all of this is very bad and toxic and horrible. And it's it's frustrating. I, I mean, I work with lots of police officers. I've worked with attorneys, when, especially when I was a domestic violence climate advocate. You know, they would be furious because they knew something was going on in the family but because of the control the abuser had over the victim, nothing was ever, they couldn't gather enough evidence. There wasn't, you know, it was just, it's so frustrating for everybody. So I completely recognize it, what you're, what you're yeah. talking about there. And yeah. I, I was that woman that, that wouldn't say anything because I felt that for some reason it was my fault. I had been manipulated and, you know, sort of my mind had been turned Yeah, I think it's probably the easiest way to say it, but um, you know, luckily I'm free now. And, and, had I not gone through that, I I wouldn't be able to understand what a lot of my clients go through now. Right. But I think the um, the important thing is that when people are making these false accusations, they're taking away support from the people that really need it. Really need it. And that's Absolutely. what infuriates me. Yes. Is, yes. Is innocent people are being um, are being victimized yeah. and. Um, basically being accused of all kinds of awful things and the court time, the police time, the, you know, the, the jury time, the whatever, you know, all of the resources that go into these people yeah. should be going to the people that really need it. Yeah. And the damage it does to kids, because quite often yeah. I know kids are coerced by the abuser or by the person making the false accusation, either or, to, mm. to, misreport to lie to pretend things didn't happen and that's a devastating impact on children when they are uh, you know that that whole mind manipulation that goes on so when you get when you get people that come to you jenny that are saying look i you know i just can't talk to my ex like there's no way what Mm. What do you work with them on or how are you able to help them to go from these toxic situations to co-parenting without conflict? Yeah. Well, normally the people that that I get to talk with are pretty broken. Um, They are normally 
very emotional, very upset, very distressed. Their life has been ruined. They have no hope. Everything is gone, you know, and, and they're just absolutely just destroyed. Um, and there's normally, in that situation, there's normally an aggressor and a victim. And I work with the victim, not the aggressor. So I will work with the victim to rebuild, first of all, rebuild their sense of worth and their self-esteem and to, to just rebuild themselves. And I always say to them, it'll get to about week four or week five because it's an eight-week program. It'll get to about week four, week five, and you'll think, oh, so much better. I'm healed. You know, I'm fine. And I said, it's like a course of antibiotics. We've got you there, but now we need to keep you there. Because now I need to give you the tools and, and the, you know, the, the ways to keep yourself there without me coming along and doing it for you. So there's a lot of, um, you know, I give them homework. <laughs> I, I make them go away and do things. And, and, um, I mean, one of the homeworks for one of my guys was because he'd completely, he'd come off alcohol. Um, he had, um, been accused of all of these things. He was back living with his parents because basically everything he owned was in the house that she was in and he couldn't go there. Um, and, uh, I said, uh, I want you to go out this weekend. And he was like, what do you mean? I said, I want you to go out with friends this weekend and I want you to have a good time. I want you to actually go out and enjoy yourself and take your mind off of all of this other stuff that's been happening. And he reported back on the Monday. He was like, oh my God, I needed that so much. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you do. Because you can't, you, human beings are not meant to be isolated and alone. Human beings are, are built to be in a pack, you know? It's, it's how we thrive. So by isolating themselves, they're not doing themselves any favors. They think they're protecting themselves and they're not. So it's about encouraging them to, you know, sort of to, to do the things that they love, to take up those hobbies that maybe they dropped years ago because they were told they were stupid or they weren't worthwhile or, you know, whatever the reason that they stopped them for. And um, to really start to rebuild that sense of self-worth. But I'm, like I said, I'm the course of antibiotics. You have to follow the course. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and I think that's so true because the, you know, the first thing when you're, when you're hurt is, or hurting, or when you're so distressed over what's happening to your kids or, you know, to yourself, you don't want to reach out and go out for coffee or go out for dinner, go take in a movie or do any of those things. You just want to stay at home and, we go over those negative thoughts over and over and over. And I really do think a lot of times we build those mountains out of molehills in our own head, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. and then we, we are so focused on all the what ifs that, that we get so anxiety ridden about it that we go into the next conversation or even a text message exchange with the person. Mm-hmm. We look for everything and we read it in the possible worst light that it could ever be taken in do you find that's true uh, oh my god yeah i have um i have one client and she just um basically while i'm working with them it's kind of like you can text me you can whatsapp me you can message me you can email me if something comes through and you want some help with how to respond ping it over we'll work on it together and get it sorted so that they're fully 
fully supported because it does life doesn't just kind of fall apart for them just in that one hour a week that we're working exactly. together it's yeah. the rest of the time too and I had one one text from one of my clients a woman saying oh they've they've said this this and this um how do I respond and I said well you can what about this but but should I answer this and I'm going no but but what about this no <laughs> but, but 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 I'm no and at the end of it I put I, I did my final kind of text message back to her and at the, capital letters at the end of it, it was like, do not respond. Yeah. <laughs> I have threatened. She doesn't live that far from me, a couple of hours <laughs> drive. And I have threatened before now to go and take her phone away. <laughs> because it's like, do not. It's almost like you need to have the last word. Don't. Full stop. That's it. You're done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and And I think we get caught up um, you know, and especially when there's kids involved. I mean, there's a lot mm-hmm. of emotion, right? As, and I find particularly if one parent has, if there's very different parenting styles that were used, you know, if the couple was constantly arguing about how to deal with certain issues with the kid or kiddos, and then they separate, that becomes really a difficult thing. If, if mom is running discipline and issues one way in her house and dad is running it or the other partner is running it differently in their house, Mm. of course the kids are going to play mom and dad or partners off each other, right? Parents off each other. Absolutely, They're going to go where the, where it's easy. I mean, they're just kids, right? Why would they? They are genetically built to take the easy option. Yes. That's their route for survival while they're young. You know, until their brain is fully developed, they're always going to go for the easy option. Yeah. And if that means a little white lie, you know, to get their own way or to get something that they want, then nine times out of 10, they're going to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the key there is about developing the relationship with that child so that that relationship is strong enough that they can talk to them about anything because that's the important thing. Because if they can't talk to them about the little things, how can they talk to them about the big things? Right. And yeah. I used to have my son sort of stop halfway up the stairs and he'd start telling me about this thing that had happened in this game and, and his friend had done this and, and he had done this and he had done that. And, and I'm just kind of like, oh, right, okay. All right. Well, I didn't have a clue. I didn't have a clue what he was going on about. And afterwards he'd go, you have no idea, have you? And I'm like, no, but if it's important to you, it's important to me. Right. That's a really and, good way to, to, to phrase that, to come back, you know, to, to state that to, to your son or to yeah. anybody, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I saw, I saw TikTok the other day and it was about a father saying about, you know, sort of how to get their teenage girls to talk to them. So like age two, play tea sets with them, you know, play Play-Doh with them, play right. with them, be yeah. involved, have conversations with them, give them the opportunity to know that you are there for them no matter what, because if you can... Be there for the little things. They'll come to you for the big things. Yeah. You know, and, so. and it's, Jenny, you kind of reminded me of a, a, I used to do co-parenting facilitation, which is kind of like what you do over here, but it's court-ordered and the mm-hmm. couple, you work with one couple and one side, the other side, and both together trying to trying to create a, a healthier parenting arrangement yeah. after divorce. And um, I, I had the mom said, I don't want the child going to dad's because dad's got a new partner and my child hates the new woman in, in, mm-hmm. in dad's life. And I, dad says, I don't know what she's talking about because they all get along great at my house. And I talked to the, the child and the child goes, 
oh, I just love dad's new partner, but I don't want to tell my mom that because she gets jealous. This is a little about five-year-old that was old enough to recognize that saying something nice about the, the dad's partner was going to incur the wrath of mom. So kids pick up on that really quickly. And I love what you're doing to help. Mm. Yeah. To help. It's self-preservation. And, and it, it is sometimes it's, um, it's a really, really bad case. And the, the child is, they're not going to get to see the child, you know, because they've tried everything and they're just being blocked at every exit. And, um, in those cases, it's kind of like, right, okay, what you need to do now is not fall apart. What you need to do now is rebuild yourself so that when your child does come back into your life, at whatever age it is, because they will come back at some point, you need to be as strong as you can be to, to be able to go through sort of that with them. Right. That they're coming back. And you need to put things in place now to show them that, you have thought about them for this time and you do care. And one of the things I suggested was set up a separate email account for the child and then email that, you know, once a week, twice a week, however often you want to, just not, um, you know, not arguments against the mother or whatever, just, you know, oh, I saw this card today in the shop and it made me think of you and I really miss you and I love you and I'm thinking of you. And do that each time and don't open it. Just send it to this email address and don't open it. When that child comes back, you can hand them the email address and the password. And everything is date and time stamped. Yeah. And they can read all of those messages to show that you didn't give up on them. What a nice idea. Oh, my gosh, that is fantastic. Mm. And, and because there are situations where a parent doesn't see a child for a period of time, uh, yeah. I think... I'm going to kind of jump out on a limb here, but I think overall people are st- people going through divorce. I don't know about in the UK, but in, in uh, the United States and Canada, I know most jurisdictions require, require parents to take a minimum of a four hour training before they can file for divorce if they have children. And it goes over the damage that this kind of conflict does to kids and the importance of kids being in both parents' lives and talks about kids' responses to divorce at different ages and stages. And I, I think people understand, especially younger couples today, would you say that they, they understand a little bit more about that dynamic or do you still see there's a big gap there? Um, yeah, I, I'm, not seeing it, I'm not seeing many people in the, in the younger sort of 20, 30 category and mine seem to be sort of like 35 and up um so the more mature parents i would imagine but we don't have that four-hour mandated training here okay um it's, it's but we have to they have to wait um i think it's changed recently so that you can actually um do it like a joint filing for divorce um but previously you've had to wait for two years Oh, to be wow. able to get an uncontested divorce. Wow. That's uncontested. Yeah. If it's contested, it's five years. Wow. So, <laughs> so well, that makes sense why that would build up that conflict so much mm-hmm. then. Because here, I mean, basically, you can go down the courthouse and file. <laughs> mm-hmm. there's, no, there's no mandatory. Now, in Canada, if you have kids, there used to be, and I don't know about now, but there did used to be like a time where you had to, you had to wait, and then you had to attend 
more than just that basic four-hour course. There was some extended yeah. um, stuff that you had to do. So it, I, I do think things are shifting a little bit, And but your, what you do is just so important. And I think it's important to recognize that co-parenting doesn't look like happy families after the divorce for a lot of families. And it's okay to do that parallel parenting. It, there's nothing... Yeah wrong with it. It's not the ideal for the kids, but it's better than ongoing conflict, right? Absolutely. And one of you know, one of the things I say to them is if it, if it's if it's even a toddler that can walk, you could stand at the bottom of the pathway and send them up the pathway with their little backpack to to the parent at the door at the other end. Right. And you don't have to speak to them. You right. can just send the toddler up with their little backpack. And, you know, sort of avoiding conflict is, is one of the, the things that I try to encourage because no kid wants to have to pick sides. Yeah. Yeah. It's not fair on them. They didn't ask for it. And, you know, with the dads, especially, um, it's, it's kind of like sometimes I get asked, well, when do you give up? At what point do we give up? It's like never. You never ever give up because your child does not have the strength or the voice to be able to fight for themselves they're relying on you to do that for them so right. you're not just fighting for you you're fighting for them as well right so you don't have the luxury of giving up it's not an option yeah so yeah you know i'm quite hard line about that and it's kind of like well if you want to give up then there's no point working with me because that's not what i do yeah. Right. I don't right. help people to give up. <laughs> right. So. And, and, and that, that, that message that the kids will, you know, when they get to be 18 or whatever the, whatever the legal age is in, in wherever you're listening in, mm -hmm. the kids will make their own decision. And I just love that idea of setting up that email box and just sending those emails, not opening them, and then giving it to the child when they, when they do return to you. I think that's, Absolutely. that's fantastic. So, um, Jenny, we have covered a whole lot of stuff, and I can't believe how fast, like 25 minutes is just gone once we start wow. <laughs> Yeah, and you and I could probably talk for forever. So um, mm -hmm. what do you think, though, is the most important thing you'd like people to remember when they, you know, go about their day after listening to your message? I think the biggest thing to remember is that you, are ne you never have to be alone going through any hard time no matter what it is, no matter what the scenario, the situation, there is always help and support available for those that want it. So never, ever think that you're alone. Thank you. And reach out to people, you know, ask, talk to your attorney, your solicitor, your uh, divorce lawyer, whoever it may be, whoever that professional is, talk to therapists. There are professionals that deal with co-parenting situations. And I think pretty much most countries. Um, yeah. If not, Jenny, you work with people all across the world, right? If they want to work with you. If Absolutely. They, if, if people do want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that, Jenny? Um, the best way to do that is you can find my website on uh, www.coparentingwithoutconflict. That's all one word, just coparentingwithoutconflict.com. Um, or you can email me, jennyrock1 at outlook.com. Sounds great. And I will make sure that all of that gets in the show notes so people can, if they're out jogging or walking or whatever, they're not trying to write it down. It'll all be in the show notes. And Jenny, thank you so much for sharing your information. And thank you for what you're doing to help parents that are, that are really trying to make changes that are positive for their kids. So keep up all oh, the great thank work. You. 
Thank you, Marie. Wonderful to see you today. You too. And I'd like to thank everybody for listening in on the D-Shift podcast. And don't forget to tune in again next week when we have another expert. Thanks for listening and supporting the D-Shift podcast. If you would like to attend live trainings by our amazing guests and have a chance to ask questions and get answers from our experts, join the D-Shift crew. For more details and to sign up, head on over to www.divorcecoachforwomen and click on the podcast page.